Welcome back, everybody, to Rhodium Radio, episode 21. I can't believe that it's already been 21 shows. Uh, first of all, I want to say once again, I know we already had Thanksgiving, we already had Christmas, but I want to tell everybody, Happy New Year. Um, um, I hope you guys were had a dope, dope New Year. I hope you guys are probably hungover. Um, but if you guys set any New Year's resolution, make sure you guys stick to them. If you guys need to get to the gym and work on that panza, do it, okay? Take care of yourself. You only get one body to live in, so take care of it right now. Uh, other than that, uh, just a reminder, I believe in promoting yourself until it pays off. Uh, the Rodeo Mixtape Documixery, you can get it at documixery.com. And uh, also, um, our podcasts are um, available now at Anchor. Apple Podcast and Spotify. So, once again, I hope everybody had a blessed New Year's Eve 2020. Here we come. We have a, a voice. And before I introduced uh, my good friend, uh, my good, my good, uh, how would you say, uh, famous friend from the Harbor area, let me just say that it's truly an honor and a pleasure to be able to have him here sitting across uh, from me where. I actually get to sit and interview him. And it's so much rich history here that if you guys don't know who he is, you guys will know tonight, okay? And all the guys that left stupid negative comments, I'm just glad you guys are logged in. So here we go. Once again, in the building, MC Pancho, all the way from San Pedro. How you doing, my brother? It's an honor, Tony. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm all good. good. All good, brother. So uh, once again, how was your Christmas? Um, it was cool. It was just me and the wife, and we had the crew. We had dinner at Pacific Dining Car. We um, we do that every year because you know, it's just the two of us. So I had my crew join me this time, and we ended up eating there from 12 to 4 in the morning. And wow. we just talked in the back room. It, it was really <laughs> cool. That's dope. That's dope. Mm -hmm. uh, New Year's. Well, how did you spend New Year's? Uh, New Year's, I spent it at Original Mike's. Uh, there was an event there. They had Slave and the Mary Jane Girls, and it was it was really cool. Yeah, and we had dinner and, um, you know, I didn't get drunk. So I'm starting the new year off right. Starting the new year <laughs> off right. So today yeah. I started mine off right. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I did, I had my breakfast and I grabbed my gym bag and I went to go hit arms today because, you know what, I'm 51 years old. And as we get older, we should be getting better. Yes, I'm not far behind you, Tony. You so, know, I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 real soon. 50. Well, let me know your 50th birthday. I'm there. Okay. So, All right, brother. So, okay. Now, um, before we get into what are you doing now? Uh, uh, the clubs that you promote or um, restaurants that you promote before people get to know what you're doing now and what you'll be doing in the future. I usually like to start at the very, very beginning of MC Pancho. For an example, where were you uh, raised or where were you born at? Uh, I was raised in San Pedro, not far from Wilmington right here, the Harbor area. Yeah. And um, born and raised there, went to school there, went to uh, my elementary was Cabrillo Avenue. 
uh, junior high was Dana Junior High, and I'm a graduate of I'm a pirate, uh, class of '88, San Pedro High School. Pirate, yeah. That sounds like more. That sounds a lot like pirate. Pilot. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. So now, uh, elementary school. Were you ever a smart kid? I was average. I, I got through. I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, uh, you know, I did the best I could. Um, I made it through with maybe B's and C's. Right. Yeah. See, I wish I could have got B's and C's because mm -hmm. my crap was always D's and C's, and you know. But I did graduate, and that's mm -hmm. when back in the day we used to graduate at sixth grade. Oh know? yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, same here, same here. Uh, what about junior high? Were you ever, uh, um, how would you say, a good student in junior high? Um, I <laughs> good. Yes. I mean, I, I graduated and I had a C B average. I, I made it with it. my mom would always tell me as long as you get ease on your progress report yes. and, and report card, you're trying, you know what I mean? So I didn't get any use. So I got C E E. I, I remember I had a D E E, you know, and that was kind of rare, right. you know, but I still tried, you know, one time I brought like I had seven periods in junior high when I went to Wilmington. And every damn class, I'm not going to lie to you, was F-U-U, 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 because I never went. Uh -huh. I was always ditching, hanging out with my friends, breaking into people's houses, stealing uh -huh. their spare change, making ourselves something to eat, and watching TV. Uh -huh. That's what we used to do. And then go back to, to class, you know. But uh, it was funny because one day my mom, and she never spoke English, you know. So she, she said, ¿Qué es el F? You know, what is the F? Mm -hmm. And I said, fantastic. <laughs> and you got away with that? No, no, for like five minutes. Uh -huh. So she called my sister and I go, Ma, es fantastico. Uh -huh. That's what I told uh -huh. her. So she said, what's the use? And I was like, I don't know. Uh -huh. You know, so believe, believe me, I got my ass whooped a lot. Yeah. Because you know what? I never applied myself. Uh -huh. So, and I never graduated. I actually flunked the eighth grade and he still, you know, told me, okay, get out of here, go to Banning now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Banning, uh, Pedro High, did you play any sports? No, I didn't, I didn't do any sports. I didn't do any sports. Uh, believe it or not, Tony, I took up foods class because, you know, I wanted to be, there was all chicks in that class and, of course. and stuff like that. And I was the only dude in there. And the, and the funny part was I actually liked, uh, I liked it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'd come home and I'd do extra, you know, homework projects and make omelets for my mother. And then she would have to <laughs> write a little note saying, yeah, he did it. You know, he pulled it off and stuff. So I got a kick out of that, out of, out of the cooking thing. That's good, man. You know, it's funny. When I went to Banning, of course, I was just there for the girls. But I was, I was, here's what I was hooked on. DJing and video games. So uh -huh. I was always DJing. My friend was like, hey, I got like a dollar fifty. Let's go to Neptune Liquor. They got Donkey Kong. Oh, I know there. Neptune, yeah. Yeah, so we would go play Donkey Kong or Asteroids or whatever. Were you, were you a video game guy? Uh, Berserk and um, uh, Space Invader. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And actually, uh, I'm, I'm in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas for PS2. Okay. I'm one of the voices on that. Yeah. We're going to get into yeah. that. Okay. okay. All right. So don't let too much out of the bag. <laughs> okay. So... Somebody go help somebody over there, please. Uh, anyways, uh, so it's the <laughs> before, new year. <laughs> yes, the new year. Before I lose my train of thought, uh, another thing that I was going to ask you is, at, right out when you got out of high school, uh, what um, what did you get into getting into? Right out of high school, Tony. Um, what saved my life was uh, my father was a longshoreman. And uh, at the age of eight, when I was eight years old, he passed away of ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. So the thing with the with the Longshore Union that a lot of people don't know is um, as long as your, your mother, which my mom didn't remarry, I would become eligible to apply for that job as sole supporter. Right. So when I turned 18, right out of high school, I, I went into the pros. I became a longshoreman. You know, oh, okay. right there. So that job saved my life. That that job, I, I started. You know, it was time to to man up and just go out there and start working. Right, right, and it pretty much did it 
keep you off the streets? It, like I said, it, it really saved my life. Yes. And about did. how old were you when you started? 18. 18, 18, years old. Wow, 18. Wow. I, I, I thought I heard that, but I don't know if I heard it was the racket, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so now let's back up just a little bit. Growing up with your mother and your father, what type of music was played uh, at home? Like what would your father play? What would your mother play? My mother introduced me to Big J McNeely, uh, Jimmy Reed, Joe Houston, uh, and she's bought me my very, very first cassette East Side Stories. So my mom, my mom was a homegirl. My mom was, you know, from Pedro. Well, my dad as well. And um, that's what she introduced me to. A lot of oldies. And I would hear uh, War, Santana, El Chicano, Malo. Um, all that was in the house. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, people are probably wondering, and we're going to get into it a little bit later on, uh, why the mixer is here. Okay. So, old school uh -huh. Newmark mixer. Now, about what point in your life would you say you were introduced to DJing? Like, who did you see? Who did you hear? Um, what was it that... Uh, uh, if you will, that encouraged you to move into that direction? Um, well, my mother, really, because, I mean, the music that she introduced me to, my father as well, um, to answer your question, my dad uh, was more Alvis and Roy Orbison. Um, but I used to make tapes for, for all the older dudes in the hood. So I would just do them off of the 45s that I had and, um, you know, do them off of regular Sears uh, cassette deck to, uh, with the turntable. Right. And um, my mom knew that I had music in me. The The first thing they had ever bought me was a Mickey Mouse. Um, it was a suitcase and it was a, a portable um, turntable. So wow. I had that at the age of, God, I want to say five years old. Uh -huh. And um, I still have it. It's in storage. Just put away. I was trying to get it out to bring it with the mixer. <laughs> and uh, the arm the, was the needle, you know, the Mickey Mouse's hand. Right. Was, and, and that's what I played my records on. And so I was always into music as a kid. Uh, instead of asking my mom for toys, I would tell her, you know, if I'm good, can you get me a, a record? So I'd be a good kid. And I'm, I'm a five, five-year-old kid and asking for records. So she'd wow. take me to a spot in San Pedro called Jesse's Records. And um, that's where I got my first record. Any brothers, sisters? I had a brother that was 16 years older than me. And he passed away of an overdose of heroin. So I inherited a lot of his records as well, you know, because okay. he was he was a, a blues. Like, like Jimmy, I got all Jimmy Reeds from my brother. Okay, I'm sorry yeah, to hear yeah, that. Um, um, like me, I've had like five older brothers, actually uh, four older, one younger, and four sisters, and it was hard for me to get along with all of them. So mm -hmm. believe me, it, it, you know, when you, when you come from a big Mexican family, the dope thing about it is that your Thanksgivings, your Christmas, and your New Year's are dope. You know? Right, right. It's family. Yeah, but yes. come Christmas, everybody's poor. You know, <laughs> I, ain't, I, I don't have no money. Santa Claus is uh, poor this year. Uh, yeah, it's always mm -hmm. freaking always poor. Uh -huh. So, anyway, so uh, other than that, so you started collecting. Well, at five years old, you began yes. to ask for records. Yes, you know, uh, I re received my first record when I was in fourth grade. My brother used to work at Zodi's. Oh, I remember. And, and uh, my first record was "Love Gun" by Kiss. Uh, eventually, my next record was uh, "Blondie." The, the uh, what's that? It wasn't Rapture. I forgot. Uh, the call call me. No, no. It was another Heart uh, of Glass. Heart of Glass. Okay. That's okay. the one. So you know your music. <laughs> yes, <good>. I do. <laughs> After that, I think it was like uh, Brick, the song Daz. Uh huh. So um, I I started mostly in elementary. Okay, uh -huh. but uh, now. You, you began collecting records. Do you remember who it was that inspired you to move into the direction of actually DJing? Oh, God. Well, my mother said one day I'm going to buy you um, a t another turntable so you could do something with this. And I think I was in the seventh grade and she bought me a realistic, but I really couldn't do much with it. And, um, you know, well, you know, right. the realistic <laughs> turntable is right. not, not a technique. 
So um, really, my whole inspiration to the music, to the DJing was not seeing really anybody spinning. It was uh, my mother that that pushed me. She pretty much paved the whole road for me. She's seen the, the future. And I guess she's seen where I was going to be today to this day. Wow. Wow. And and uh, so you had for people that may not know what realistic are, those are actually turntables bought from Radio Shack. Correct. Yeah, because. You know, it's funny because I catch myself today telling people, you know, I used to have a realistic and they're like, they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I go, they don't have a clue. Is? Yeah. Like, they no. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And so, you know, Tony, not to interrupt you, but, um, you know, like I said, my mom was an average and, and I know I'm going to be talking about her a lot in this video because she is the whole inspiration. Um, she used to go out and buy me uh, the scratch parties, scratch party one, two, three, and four. Wow. And you wouldn't find too many mothers because I remember all the kids in school, you know, and Dana was like, you mean your mom bought you this? Got my mom would. So she would go into, uh, what do we have then? Music Land, uh, the Warehouse, Tower. We had all those, you know, music plus, and Music yeah. Plus. And she would go in, in there and say, do you have any mixes? And they'd look at her weird, like, how does this lady know what a mix is? <laughs> and she would get me the 12-inch, uh, the, the scratch parties and scratch dance. And I still have them. Wow. Uh, wow. You, you know, I have Lonzo uh, here from the World Class Wrecking Crew, and he was responsible for those records. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, if you go back and look at that episode, it was Dre and Yella that were actually doing those bootleg records. Wow. You know, and for people that may not know what those records were, on one side, you would actually have uh, the vinyl, the grooves of yeah. the song. It was almost like a mixtape, but on a on, record. On a, yeah. And on the other side, it was just completely. There was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing. Yeah. I remember when I first got my first bootleg record, I was like, wow, look at this. <laughs> it's got nothing. I was showing it off, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I thought it was, I thought the shit was dope. So, so now you get a turntable. Do you remember when you got your mixer? Um, yeah, it's this one right here that, that, that I brought here. Um, it was 1988. 1988. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and did you still have your realistic turntables as well? No, my mom, we, we took, uh, my mom didn't drive. So we took the bus down to Broadway, right near Clifton's cafeteria. I want to say seventh or eighth and Broadway. And, um, I was waiting to get called to start working, but you know, I guess she figured that in the meantime, I'm going to have too much time on my hands. Right. <laughs> so she saved her money and we went on the bus and she went over there and she, we bought the, she bought me that system. I had the whole coffin, everything. I had it delivered because we didn't drive. So she told the guy, she goes, I want to have this delivered and I'm at two turntables and that mixer. And you're going to have to come and show them how to use this because I didn't know how to use it. I was wow. 17 at the time. Okay. So, um, so she purchased it. They delivered it. And the messed up part about it was the guy hooked up, um, the turntables backwards. So that's how I learned to mix. So when the fader, my, I was the opposite on the fader. And obviously that was by accident. That was by accident. I thought that's how it went. So wow. when it, it was, yeah, it was hard when I would spin with other people because then I'd have to unplug it if I wanted to scratch, transform, or do any of that. Because I learned the opposite way. Wow. That, see, <laughs> but that I, was how he hooked it up. Look, I've met DJs from East Coast to West Coast, and I've never heard that story. I've <laughs> really? never heard anything like that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, like, uh, for an example, my good friend Joe Cooley, okay? Mm -hmm. um, when he told me he first got his first mixer, it was a realistic mixer from Radio Shack. But he didn't buy the one with the fader. He bought, he had the one that went up and down. Uh -huh. So many times when I would see him scratch, he would just be up and down. And I, 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 I was always like... I started with the fader. Right. And I was like, how are you so good? And he uh -huh. said, I didn't have the luxury of buying the more expensive one. So right. I had to learn this way until I bought the one that goes cross. Right. You know, and he's actually the one that told me how to use the click buttons. Uh -huh. You know, I didn't know. And they the were there the whole one. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, so now 
you're 17 years old. You're, you're taught how to DJ. Do you still remember the person who taught you how to DJ? It was a guy that delivered it. And the English was bad because he didn't speak good English. And I'm Pocho. I don't speak good Spanish. Uh -huh. So he was just showing me. He wasn't much into the scratching. I, I had to really pretty much learn on my own. And I just knew to put a quarter on it to hold the weight down. And <laughs> it wasn't going to jump. And it was a Stanton cartridge. And, you right. know. Yeah, so I, I pretty much learned on my own. And then I hooked up with the guy from high school called Latin Lover that DJ'd. And uh, while I was waiting for them to call me for work, um, I would jog every day to Cabrillo Beach. I'd go to the beach and I'd run every morning. So I ran into this guy waiting for the bus. I'm like, hey, you were the DJ, right, in school? He's like, yeah. And I said, you know, I have a system. I go, I think we could do something together. You know, I could learn some pointers from you and we could spin together. So we started spinning. And we started booking weddings, quinceaneras. The majority of the, the parties I was doing was actually in Wilmington. Really? And yeah, yeah, I have a lot of history with Wilmington. I mean, going back, I was baptized a holy family. A lot of people don't know that. Wow. And um, yeah, so I started, we started DJing. And then that's when I realized that I didn't want to DJ anymore. Once I got on the microphone, because he didn't like to talk on the mic. Okay. So then I picked up the mic and we get the crowd going. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be a DJ. I want to be an MC. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, you were over here with, you know, and back, back in the day, you know, well, first of all, let me clarify the word spin, because again, a lot of people may not know what that word means. It's an actual DJ, you know, like I would still tell you, hey, man, let me spin. Like, yeah, let me right, DJ, right. you know, uh, a lot of people may not know our old school lingo, lingo. you know, but uh, so now you, you you guys are doing what weddings, quinceaneras, backyard parties, etc. Yes. And then he gives you the mic. And then that's when you discovered MC Pancho. Correct. Because <laughs> it started off as DJ Pancho. Yeah. DJ and the name of my group was playing kind of rough, and we were under um, a group actually based out of here, a main uh, promoter, uh, La Chic Attractions. La Chic Attractions. Yeah. Now, was it JC? JC. Jose. Yeah. Wow. Jose Chavez. See, and a lot of people may not know that you actually you have a lot of history uh, in the city of Wilmington. A lot of people just think you're just this Pedro guy. No, I represent the whole Harbor area. That's dope. Know. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I want you to share with the public. You shared with me uh, a story about your father bringing unity, you know, to, was it Wilmington and San Pedro? Yes. Okay. If you can elaborate a little bit more on that story. My father is responsible with a gentleman by the name of Jack Slater. They got together in the, in the fifties. I want to say 1956 from the story that I heard from my mother and other individuals as well. And uh, my dad brought the guys from Pedro over to Banning Park and they met and they held a peace treaty. And there was like no more of this fighting because, you know, those two cities have been rivals forever. We right. don't know how far back it goes. And uh, my dad was responsible for that. You know, he was, it was the main one that represented San Pedro and Jack was representing Wilmington and they got together and, um, you know, it was all about peace. Right, right. And it lasted for the longest. And from that point on, my dad baptized, well, there's always a joke that my dad baptized half of Wilmington because I would run into guys from east, the west, the north side. And they, you know, first they'd hit me up and then, wait a minute, who's your dad? And I say, Celso. And they were like, oh shit, that's my Nino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, um, now, did your dad ever share with you why he wanted to bring that piece? Uh, uh, what, what inspired him? What encouraged him to do that? From what I heard, because you know, I was eight years old, of course, when my when my dad passed away. So um, what I heard from my mom was, you know, my dad was always, the, the majority of the time he was in Wilmington, you know, okay. quite a bit, quite a bit in all the bars. He was one of the few guys from Pedro that could go into all these bars, or the folk soul and all the different spots in, in Wilmington. And uh, he had a lot of friends and he just had this... Um, 
he had something where you would listen to him. It, okay. it was like, uh, I don't know what it was. It was just he had this gift where people would listen to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and he used that gift because there were people that instead of uh, using their gifts to uh, uh, for, for the better, many people try to use it for themselves and they hoard it for themselves and they want to shine for themselves. Your father was one of those type of guys that just wanted to bring more or less peace to everyone. You know? Yes, yeah. So that's a good thing. It yeah. was plus it was a different era. You know, there weren't guns. Everybody fought back then, and my dad would get challenged a lot. He was a short guy. He was a professional boxer as well, and um, U.S. Army, second to none infantry. He's one of the highly highest decorated in our area, Tony. He uh, he received a, a Purple Heart for getting shot in uh, both arms. He went back out uh, to to combat and he got shot in both legs, which got him uh, a second Purple Heart. And um, during that, he single-handedly uh, disarmed, single-handedly disarmed a, a gunner, a Korean gunner, and um, saved his infantry, which um, actually, or his unit rather, which got him the Silver Star. And that's very high to achieve in, in military. Wow, that's awesome. Because yeah. I remember you shared that story with me uh, over the phone, and then you text me the picture. Uh -huh. uh, I, if I'm correct, uh, one of them was your father, they were in Mexico? Yeah, that was him and Jack. Okay. That was, yeah. Wow. That's a historic picture. Very. And and and, and uh, um, how, how long do you think that piece lasted? It didn't last too long. It went maybe well, maybe about five or six years, and then of course the new generation came in. So I right. think it, it went up to maybe like the the sixties, the mid sixties, and right. then of course it was a different generation, different right. time, and they weren't listening. You know, the, the reason why I bring that up is because okay, in the eighties, that was more like my time. I love the eighties. Okay, mm -hmm. whether it be eighties music, eighties style of, uh, you know, clothing, whether it's eighties cologne like Polo Cologne. Remember that? Oh one? yeah. I still have my old yeah. ass Polo Cologne. It's still like halfway full. Polo, gray flannel, Dracar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what happened was, uh, um, and actually the clothing, the movies, everything about the eighties is dope. But one thing we will say that the 80s, fuck, when crack came in, bro, yeah. it spread like wildfire. Gang violence was at an all-time high. And, and, let me, and let me say something to the public that there's a possibility that in the 80s, we probably would not have had this conversation simply because you lived in Pedro right. and I lived in Wilmington. And yeah. if you really think about it, we're all older now. And how silly or how stupid that was that there are still kids today taking each other's life because you don't live too far away from right you. and not to mention that most of us married into each other's families <laughs> yeah you know we're all related somehow or so-and-so's married to someone or you know it's yeah yeah it's senseless yeah. you know it's funny because uh i'm gonna say something and a bunch of women team guys are probably gonna get upset but it's the truth so uh if you get upset at me i'm gonna ask you what did i say that wasn't true it's funny how growing up a lot of guys dissed san pedro okay uh um and then they want to get out of the bad element of Wilmington. And guess where they go move? <laughs> the San Pedro. San Pedro. Uh, okay. <laughs> or their second home would be uh, Lakewood. 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 Uh, yeah. You know, they'll go say, well, I live in Lakewood. And they all yeah. live by the mall. Oh, yeah, I live by yeah. the mall, man. <laughs> you too? Yeah, I live by the mall. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, all of them do. You know, people still ask me, how do you still live in Wilmington? So you, all you guys moved out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm know? still in Pedro. I'm still on the block. I'm on Third Street. And I mean, like people can't say Pancho forgot where he came from. I'm still there. <laughs> I'm still on that block. You know what? And I, I'm still here. Uh, I never felt a reason to leave. Right. You know, I, I love it here. Uh, I take walks around. Put it this way. You can catch me walking by myself. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and the streets of Wilmington, usually early in the morning when I go get a breakfast. Uh-huh. I just like walking. I really, uh-huh. really enjoy it. It's funny because I'll get some of the homies that will pull over. Hey, man, are you okay? Like, well, yeah, why? I see you walking. Yeah, I know, but I'm just walking, bro. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you needed yeah, a couple yeah. of dollars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you they know. assume the worst. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. always assume the but, worst. Yeah. But uh, no, but uh, and I always take my grandbabies uh banning park okay i always walk yeah. them there uh they go see the squirrels and uh um, shit i almost said the pelicans what do you call them uh, um the, the ones that hang out at the bars no 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 the the, the ones that spread their damn tails uh peacocks oh the oh the, oh yeah the peacocks out here They're okay everywhere. yeah 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 and, okay. and they love them mm-hmm. so but so now you pick up the mic and what were some of your first words, man? Somebody say ho. <laughs> nah, I was, um, check it out. This is MC Poncho, the number one Sancho, coming at you live from the harbor area. <laughs> say that one more time, bro. <laughs> yo, 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 check this out. This is MC Poncho, the number one Sancho, coming at you live from the harbor area. Check it out. <laughs> That's dope, man. <laughs> that so was, then, yeah. And then the other dude would just start spinning? Yeah. Well, I did, I did mixtapes. So I did these mixtapes called the Harbor Area Sounds. And, um, those were, well, those were 1988 mixtapes. They had covers for them. I did over 30 of them. And the whole purpose of that cassette was, um, okay, by now I'm working, you know, I'm already longshoring. I didn't have a car. So a friend of mine who lived on right around here, M Street and Watson, um, he took me home one, one day with him for lunch. You know, we were riding together. I was introduced to him by his brother, who was a friend of my dad. So really, he took me under his wing and looked out for him. His name was Richard Sumeron. And he had a daughter named Hope Sumeron that was handicapped. So I'm, I'm 18 years old. I met her and she just won my heart. So I said, what can I do? I got to do something for this girl. So I created the Harbor Area Sounds mixtapes. So those tapes were dedicated to her. Volume one was dedicated to her. I was a duffel bag boy. I sold my cassettes out of a duffel bag at the Longshoreman Hall every Friday, you know, payday. And the money I made was put into a trust fund for her. So she was a big inspiration on to keep going because I didn't plan on making any more cassettes. It was just that one. And then other people were like, when are you going to come out with number two, number three? And I did 30 of them. So by popular demand, it just yeah, kept no. coming with them. They kept coming. I tried. I, I would sell them, like I said, um, every Friday at the Longshoreman Hall. I would take that day off and I'd sell them. And then uh, it was time to try to get them into a swap meet. Mm-hmm. And I went to swap meets everywhere and they wanted them for a dollar. Now, these are 90-minute cassettes on a TDK or Maxwell, Maxwell uh, right, cassette. Right. And they had covers. You know, they had righteous covers on it them. It just wasn't like it was you some know? cheap Yeah, shit. no, there was, you know, so... Um, I went everywhere. I couldn't find anybody. And there was a gentleman, Jerry's Music Box. He was at the Try It Indoor across from Scottsdale in the city of Carson. And he seen him. And he we'd always talk music because I'd buy, you know, vinyl from him back yeah. then. And he was like, these are yours? And I said, yeah, I have. At that time, I had three volumes. And I think I had 100 cassettes off of, on, on me. He's like, I'll take them all. So he bought them all. I remember we got home. I was with my mother. And we got home and I had all these calls on, on the answering machine. And then he's like, hey, man, can you give me another 100 more? And I'm like, I was doing these on a regular tape to tape, uh, dual cassette, right. not, not even high speed, Tony, just a regular one. Yeah, you had to so, listen to the whole you know, shit. Yes. Yeah. And it took me forever to do those, not to mention the electricity and everything. So I didn't make no money off those cassettes, but then my mom seen something and she's like, Oh no, you need an investor. I'm going to invest in you. We're going to go to Circuit City and we're going to get you two of those high speed dual cassettes and you're going to get, make some product. So that's what I started doing. And um, he would get them from me and sell them. And I was selling to him for five bucks. I go in there, they were going for 15, 95 plus tax. And he was making some money off of them, but it got me out there because we didn't have social media. Right. You know, you would, you would just hear of me through those cassettes. 
Wow, wow, that's dope. And and how long did that relationship continue to go on with this individual as far as him selling them? Oh, God, up to, well, maybe about three years uh, until CDs came in. Okay. And then once CDs came in, I, I didn't know how to make that transformation. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is a CD? Like, I, I don't know how to do that. And right. I hung it up. Okay. And, and and during this time, even though you're working, were you still doing uh, mobile DJing at all? Yeah, yeah, because the, the gentleman, Richard, who was from Wilmington, you know, well, is from Wilmington, lived on the east side, um, he would get me a lot of, of gigs. So he was like, hey, man, do you want to do a quinceanera? Do you want to do a wedding? Do you want to? And the majority that I was doing was, you know, right here on, on the east side, in the Watson area right there, mm -hmm. um, Hyatt, all, all that area. I was DJing parties and weddings. I remember you were telling me that there was a lot of people that actually thought that at one point you were actually from Wilmington. Yeah, they were there. I would drive by because I had a, a little white Chrysler LeBaron on McLean's and 520s, and they'd I drive by and they'd just wave to me, and I wave too, you know. Right, right, respecting. That's cool, man. That's cool. So now, uh, uh, one thing that a lot of people today, because today a DJ is this a laptop, right? That's what it is. Okay, and you know, and then you know, because today they have Christmas lights on mixers. You know right. what I'm saying? So and people just start button bashing in their laptop, you and know? they act like they're doing something. It, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So uh, uh, back then, I mean, to to be a mobile DJ, number one, you had to have, if you wanted to be a good DJ, you had to have Serving Vegas. Yes. Big speakers. Yes. Okay. You had to have your coffin. Yes. Okay. Two turntables and usually Technique 1200s. Right. Okay. Your mixer. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not including the records. Right. Okay. That's not including the plugs. Right. Okay. Then you got to set everything up. Right. Okay. And and hopefully you have a good night, and hopefully yeah. those people don't try to say, "I'm short. I can only pay you this." Because yeah. you know we have all gotten, yes. you know, uh, uh, I've DJed some embarrassing, embarrassing parties, man. Where like, you know, the, the groom got so damn drunk he started flirting with the, you know, the yeah, other, I've seen that. Yes, yes, I got, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time I did a quinceanera uh, uh, for these Greek. They were Greek. They had a quinceanera, okay. And then the mother wanted to raise money, so she said, "Let's just do a dollar dance." Uh -huh. You don't do a dollar then, no. <laughs> to raise money to yeah. So wow, yeah. yeah but listen, yeah. I want to hold that thought. Uh, we're gonna come back after break. We're gonna take a ten minute break, and then we're gonna pick up on uh, the mixer. Okay. okay, a little bit about the mixtapes. Okay, okay, and there's some other interesting question that I need to ask you uh, 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 pertaining to DJing. Okay. All right, cool, cool. So once again, you're listening to Rodeo Radio episode 21 with Tony A from the city of Wilmington, MC Pancho from the city of San Pedro, the Harbor areas in the house. Call somebody, text somebody, slap somebody, pay somebody, let them know that we are live here on Rodeo Radio and we're back in about 10 minutes. So take us away, Johnny Boy. Yo, welcome back, everybody, to Rodeo Radio episode 21 with Tony MC Pancho. Before we get back to my interview, um, a couple of things I want to announce. Once again, you can actually uh, hear this after on uh, Spotify, on um, on Anchor and Apple Podcast, as well as, you know, um, YouTube. Once again, I'm pushing the Rodeo Mixtape documentary. You don't want to miss it, okay? Um, I Like I said, I put it up against any West Coast documentary out there. It's just different. It's an untold story. And I have many legends in there that confirm that everything that I'm saying is true, that Steve Yano was a cornerstone to West Coast hip-hop. So um, other than that, um, uh, I wanted to make an announcement that uh, I'm going to, for 2020, I'm going to have more female uh, singers and more female rappers on Rhodium Radio. A lot of people have been DMing me, inboxing me, and leaving me comments when you're going to have more females. Well, I will. I, I've already booked uh, uh, many of them, actually. I'm booked up until March. 
Um, I'm going to have many surprise guests. There'll be times where I'll just post up surprise guests Sunday when I'll put in their picture up for you guys to log in and see who that is. Um, also, um, people leave me comments on YouTube uh, and I'm going to make this announcement. Uh, I'm not going to re be responding to any more of those comments because it's overwhelming. When there's over 400 comments, I can't reply to everyone. Uh, sometimes many people send me their music through uh, a DM on Instagram or on Facebook. And I tell you, do not DM me or inbox me any music. Send it to rodeonradio at gmail.com. Okay, if you have an artist that you want to suggest, uh, uh, I'm not going to be reading my YouTube comments. I'm going to say that again. I'm not going to be reading my YouTube comments. Go ahead and leave all the comments you want. But if you have a suggestion on an artist or you want to submit music or you want to leave a comment, email it at uh, uh, rhodiumradio at gmail.com. Even if you just want to leave a comment that you can't stand my ass, rhodiumradio at gmail.com. We'll make sure to get back to you in a timely manner. And uh, once again, without further to do, MC Pancho is in the building. We're back. First of all, man, I'm having a, a great time because... Um, just talking music, just talking history, just talking DJing, that's like my cup of tea. So I know uh, you told me you did mixtapes uh, starting in the 80s. On these mixtapes, did you rap on any of them? Yes, what I did, Tony, was I did an intro. I did an intro and an outro. And these tapes were made off of this mixer right here, this this new mark, and two Technique twelve hundreds. So it was nonstop music. I would I would do a little intro in the beginning, and then I would just play whether it was oldies, um, old school, or slow jams. Those were the three that I that I specialized in. Okay. And it was just nonstop music, just blending into you know one right after another. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Was there any blendings, cutting, yeah, scratching? Yeah. On on the on the old school ones, a, a little bit of scratching that that my DJ did. And, um, but the majority, the oldies and the slow jams, I did those per, I did those myself in my back room. So okay. they would just blend or I would just fade or echo fade out, you know. And you were just doing it pretty much for the love of the music, pretty much. That, that was it. I wasn't making any, any money off of these. I mean, when, when you figure how much I was paying to have them printed, how much I, I then I had to have them shrink wrapped. Now, once I had them shrink wrapped, they became real popular because they were sent throughout the California prison system. So what, what had happened? Oh, this, this is a story right here, Tony. Um, a friend of my mother's, my mom's always tied up into every story. Awesome. A friend of my mother's comes in and, and tells my mom, there's this guy by the name of, uh, MC Poncho, the number one Sancho. And he <laughs> makes these tapes. And, you know, being that my mom was real hip, she goes, maybe you know him or Frankie, which they called me. Maybe Frankie knows this guy. So my mom's like, why? Well, is he in trouble? What's going on? And she goes, oh, my, my son's incarcerated and, uh, somebody has his cassettes there. You know, they got him through a package. And um, he wants them. So can we get them to him? My mom laughed and she goes, so you don't know who MC Ponte, the number one Sancho is? And she's like, no, that's why I'm asking you. And she laughed and she goes, or Frankie. And then she goes, well, that is Frankie. Wow. <laughs> so I come home. My mom tells me, she's like, you know, hey, you know, my friend Teddy wants a, a set. How many do you have at that time? I think I had five volumes. And she goes, how much would you charge her? And then after I go charge, I go, he's incarcerated. Right. I go, I'll give them to him. You know, so tell her to come pick him up. And, you know, I go, how's he going to get him? She goes, they send him in the package. So uh, just as long as they're factory sealed. So they were getting them shrink wrapped somewhere and they were sending them in the package. And then he, he wrote back and, you know, he thanked me and he sent me a nice letter. And he's like, what are you into? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, we have craps in here, you know, leather, art, whatever. 
And I go, well, you know, I like artwork. So, so this gentleman started sending me artwork and, um, you, you came to my art show. Yeah. And I have the biggest prison art collection in history and it all tied into those mixtapes. Wow. Because word got out. This, this gentleman got transferred to another prison. They heard him on the yard there. It was like, Hey, how can we get him? Hey, hit up, you know, hit up Pancho. Uh, he likes artwork, you know, send him some drawings or send you some tapes. And this was now going into the early nineties. And, um, yeah, they, they took off in prison. Wow. Wow. You know, it's funny. I have a boy named Greedy Greg. Much love to Greedy Greg. He's a quicks, a second to none's AMG's former manager. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we just talked recently because he's trying to figure out how to get his music, uh -huh. his new artists in, uh, the prisons. I know, you know now it's different. I guess they have catalogs and stuff like that. So you got to go through the catalog. Um, then once I know they got a hold of my covers, cause my covers, you know, it had that, that Cholo Estilo to it. You know, I mean, some of them had artwork and actually like the East Side stories had photos. Well, I started putting photos on, on my cassette covers and being that they were called the Harbor of Sounds, I started putting pictures, you know, back then they still had cameras on the yards in prison. So guys would send me pictures of guys from Wilmas, Pedro, Gardena, Long Beach, the whole Harbor area. Right. They would be on my cassette cover. Wow. So that's awesome. And, and I know some of these covers, you had them on display at uh, your last uh, show. Correct. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Now, um, so now you, you picked up the mic, you're rapping on these, you're blending them. You know, one thing that we have to remember also that many old school songs weren't made with drum machines, they were made with live drummers. Right. So a, a good DJ would actually have to ride the record to make sure it's on time exactly or else your mix is going to sound like a pair of shoes in the dryer right you know so i understand that because we heard i think somebody at the scamming jam sounded like they had a pair of shoes in the dryer <laughs> and it's funny because real djs actually look at each other when somebody does like a bad mix uh, yeah <laughs> we kind of look at each other from the corner of our right eyes now. what happened <laughs> right exactly but okay so now i know you evolved from the djing uh from the mixtapes and how did you get, because if I'm correct, you were actually did a, a voice on a video game. Yes, uh, San Andreas Grand Theft Auto um, actually got IMBD credit for that. That's something that everybody wants from acting to, you know, they want those credits. And um, I was heavy into the video games, you know, as, as a kid um, from Atari to, um, what was it, Nintendo to PlayStation 2, which was a very hot, hard um box to get it was hard to get that box they were they were like really yes. in demand the ps2s yes. so um i was fortunate that i had a connection of a, a fella that was supplying the lakers and i got mine i remember me and my wife were like hey we got us before shaq and kobe like a day before because wow. he was making drop-offs so um a, a dear friend of mine at the time you know kid frost frostalini loco he um he knew i was into those games so he was like um he goes hey poncho man i know you're into these games and uh, i'm doing a voiceover for this uh game san andreas grand theft auto by rockstar they they um, they need some voices would you be interested so i'm like yeah so i went into the studio and i did the drop and once they seen that i could read they yeah. gave me another i did i did one of the voices of one of the characters in there the leader of the azteca gang and then uh, i did the car hop and i didn't think i was going to get paid i was just i would have done it for free and i remember they broke me off uh, like 1500 wow and then I, w I got the game of course before everybody else did a day before a day before it released wow and um it was cool so that that game was the game of the year wow you, know, you had big names in there you know it's funny because i remember when ps2 first came on my brother had one and the, really by that time i was i only wanted to play one game which is john madden uh-huh you know i love playing football and um um that's the only game I played. What, what games, for an example, did you play on PlayStation? 
We did the Madden. I, I would uh, tuck my wife in the plane, but I'd always cheat and do the onside kicks, offside, whatever, and all that. So she would get mad, and yeah. So Madden, Madden, of course, was one. Okay, who's your football team? You know, Tony, I don't have a team. That's the thing that people trip on. I have, honestly, I have more Raider gear than anything for the colors because we wore yeah. those colors back in the days for other reasons. Right. Um, I like the Cowboys at one time because of Tom Landry because I'm a dresser. I like to dress. And Tom Landry was the sharpest dresser on the sidelines, if anybody knows who that is. And and that's why I, I, I thought, oh, so you know. You know. Okay, well, I can. Okay, I was a Cowboy fan at one time. Roger Staubach, Tutal Jones, Tony Dorsett. Um, I followed. Oh. And I'm going to give you my cards since I know you're a Cowboy fan. Really? Yeah, I'll give you my cards. Wow. Let's do it yeah. online so everybody yeah. can see. Okay, we will. we will. I'm calling you on that. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll be back for that. <laughs> dope, dope. So you did that video game. What what, what came after that for Pancho? Um, not much. To be, believe it or not, that video game I, I want to say was in the early 2000s. Okay. So, um, 2006, I lost my mother, and I went into some heavy mourning from from that point on, from 2006 to 2008. Um, 2008 comes. Um. MC Poncho was a has-been. Actually, MC Poncho was a has-been from the cassettes because I never transformed into a CD. You know what I mean? So that name still traveled, but of course, we didn't have social media. You know, I, I wasn't heard of. I was, um, how can you say it? I never completed what I started. You know, okay. I never completed what I started. So 2006, like I said, I lost my mom. For two years, I went into mourning. I ran into a gentleman named Seven from Halified Records, and he had just came back from Japan. And it was at the Majestic's New Year's party. So uh, my wife, Chamanita, had got me out of the house to attend this event, which I really didn't want to go to. And um, he was telling me he came back from Japan and he was rapping out there and that there was this promoter that was sending for people. And um, so that day, I remember, and, and, and how weird, it was New Year's Day. It was New Year's Day wow. of 2000. Wow. You know, it, it just clicked right now. That was New Year's Day, Tony. Wow. So, um, so we start talking, uh, me and my wife, and well, she was my girlfriend at the time. And she's like, you don't want to make a comeback and do some, do you do your mixtapes? You know, it'll be your 10 year anniversary. This is 2018, uh, excuse me, 2008, sorry. And um, uh, from 1988. And then after I, I looked at it, I go, I've never been in the studio. You know, I've only been in the studio once with uh, Thump Rap Radio, Bill Walker and Frost got me into that. And that was once. And um, I go, I've never been in the studio. Like, to do what? And she goes, your, your mixtapes. And I go, those are played out 1988 songs that only went so far, you know, on cassette. And she's like, well, just to say you did it. Well, what it was was she was pushing me to do that to keep me busy. Yes. You know, yes. so I really didn't want to do it. And I go, who am I going to get at? And she's like, get at seven. So I go, he just, he's doing stuff. He just got back from Japan. He's doing big things. He ain't got time for me. So she goes, it ain't going to hurt to try. I'll fund it. She goes, I'll pay for it. What's it going to cost to do a CD? I have no idea. I've never done a CD. So like I said, this is 2008. I call Seven, hoping that he's going to tell me no, that, you know, he's too busy or he's got a lot of, he's got a full plate. He tells me, I can get you in the studio tomorrow. Are you, are you up for it? I'm like, oh man, really? <laughs> I was hoping you'd say no. Right. So I said, all right, I'll be there. So I go there. What the hell am I going to do? Like, what am I going to, what songs am I going to do? I'm, I've been out of it for so long. So I went in there and I started doing some songs I did when I was 18. Now I'm in the studio. Now I don't have to start all over. He could punch me in. He could stop where I messed up. And, right. you know, and I had never been, had access to that because all my cassettes were done. Like I said, on that mixer in my back room off of two turntables. So, um, so we ended up doing this, this, um, this song 
And uh, he's telling me that there's a gentleman sending uh, a crew down here to do a, a documentary on the on the culture, which they were titling Chicano culture. And we could get into that and you could ask me questions on that because okay. Chicano isn't really a culture. You know, it's a Mexican-American and I go day and night. I mean, all along arguing what a Chicano is or what Chicano rap is, okay. you know. And um, so he goes, they're going to come down. They're going to interview people on Chicano culture. Would you be interested? So it's weird how it came to like, I don't even have a complete CD. What are they going to ask me? He goes, it ain't going to hurt. Just have them come, you know, yeah. are you interested? So I said, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, it'll promote what you're working on. Yeah. So they came down and they interviewed me and they were happy and they, they went to different areas to Torrance, uh, Pedro, Compton, San Diego. They, they traveled. They took the information back, the video footage and everything back to, to the main man that was funding this project. And he had seen, um, my interview and he's like i like this guy and he showed it to a dj out in japan a dj that you know spins out in japan who happened to buy my cassettes in 1988 at the wow. triad indoor so he's like this is mc poncho that did the harbor sounds of mixtapes and then he's like we thought he was either dead or in prison he's like no he's doing his first cd at the age of 38 in 2008 wow. and it's like okay we got to get him out here so, so now I'm working with Seven, you know, we're, we're in the studio and, and he's telling me, Hey, would you ever, you know, go to Japan? I'm like, to do what? You know, what the hell am I going to do out there? And he's like, you know, no, just to come out. Like, you know, and I go, yeah, he goes, get your passport ready. Get your passport. So we're in the studio. We're ready to do, you know, this, this drop. And I have my compadre in there with me. And this gentleman in Japan had sent for a lot of people, you know, he has been sent for Shadow, um, seven, quite a few individuals he was, he was sending for. Wow. And, uh, he wrote a book because there's a whole story behind this man and we could go on and that'd be another episode. But he had did some heavy time in the federal prison system. Wow. And, and he was Japanese, you know, didn't know any English, but he kicked it with the Rasa. So, um, he wrote a book. So I'm in the studio ready to do this one song that I did from 1988 when I was 18. Right. I got my compadre in the studio and he interrupts this whole session with seven. And he's like, hey, comp, hey, comp, you got to see, you got to see this book. You got to see this book. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right now. I'm trying to, you know, do this drop. And he's like, no, you got to see this. You got to see this. So I go, okay, I'll, I'll get with you in a minute. So, okay, seven, let's get back to it. So we get back to it. He interrupts again. He's like, no, you really got to see this book. You got, <laughs> he did it three times, Tony, and it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Shout out to my compadre sniper who did that. It was very embarrassing. And I go, what is so important that I got to see who's in this book? And then after he goes, you. And I'm like, what do you mean me? And there was a picture of me and Shamarita in this man's book that he had wrote uh, all in Japanese from Japan, from his, his life story of traveling and doing time in, in throughout the systems in the U.S. So I'm like, how in the hell did I get in this book? Because it was in the crease of a page that Seven even bypassed it. And you, you can't write this. It sounds like a written script. Right. But right. it's not. So I'm like, how in the hell did I get in this man's book? So Seven, Seven was shocked and he's like, well, he's going to be calling and uh, he wants to talk to you. So we waited for the call. It didn't come for like another two days. And uh, I talked to him and, you know, he spoke good English because, of course, he was out here and he learned English. And I, I go, you know, I got one question. I go, there's a book you, you know, I'm in your book. You know, you, you want to send for me because you've seen the interview that I did and, you know, because I'm making a comeback. And um, how did I get in your book? He goes, you're in my book. I said, yeah, turn to that page. And I showed him, goes, that's you. <laughs> And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, when, when I was in, this man had been in isolation for, I think it was like three or four years and he was losing his mind. He was going insane. They had, cause wow. everybody that would approach him, he didn't know, he didn't know the language. He didn't know the, the, 
the game bottom line of prison in you know right. in the U.S. So anybody that would approach him, he didn't know what they wanted from him for trying to take something from him or what. He would fight. So finally, they no no prison. He was he traveled. He he traveled from you know they would transfer him to different places. Finally, they they isolated him for for you know a remainder of years, right. and he had no contact. Somebody slipped him a teenager magazine. And I'm, you know, tight with Teen Angel. There's a story behind me and Teen Angel. That's a whole nother story. Teen Angel, and the, the, the magazine. The magazine, okay. yeah. That, that was our social media out, at, in that era. You know, teen, everybody wanted to be in Teen Angel in the, in the early 80s. So somebody had slipped him a Teen Angel magazine, and he would look at it and pretend that he knew, knew the people in there, and that's what kept his sanity. Wow. So he would look and point them out, like, okay, that's my friend, that's my family, this is, and like that wall, there was a picture of me and Chamarita, and he said we look like cool people, and he'd pretend he knew us. And who in the hell, Tony, would ever think that I would meet this man how many years later? And wow. he'd be sending for me to go to Japan. That's why I said it's my story is, is, I mean, it's not written. You would think it is, but it's right. it's not. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you get to Japan uh -huh. the first time. Yeah. And you meet this man. Yes. What takes place? Well, they they had a, a surprise for me because uh, a week before I was leaving, I thought I'm just I, I'm just going with Seven, and I'm going to be like his. I don't know his hype man or I'm going to be just on stage and just stand and post up. I didn't think I'm going to perform. Right. So seven asks me a, a, like a week before he goes, you can still perform. When was the last time you performed? I'm like in a backyard, like, I don't know, like 1992 or something like that. <laughs> and then he goes, but you can still do it. I'm like, oh yeah, all I need is one mic. Give me a mic. I could do it. And then, you know, I'm, you know, getting a little cocky with him. And he's like, okay, good. Because he showed me the flyers and I had three shows booked. Now I'm in the panic zone, like, oh, hell no, I ain't going out there. To, oh, no, you better tell him I'm not going. There ain't no way I'm going to fucking go wow. to do this one song. Like, I've never done that. And he's like, look on the bright side. They don't speak English. So if you mess up, they're not going to know it anyway. So, and you're going, you're getting a free trip to Japan. You can't beat that. So I told him, I said, no, nah, man, you should have never put this on me. You should have never put this on me. I didn't think I was going for that. And he's like, well, you are. So I remember I'd come home from work. And I'd be practicing like a nutcase in the living room, trying to throw the mic and catch it and do these weird moves that I never right, right. did before and stuff. And I'd tell my wife, how does this look? She's like, nah, that ain't going to happen. You, you better not do that. You better not do that. And I was doing all this weird stuff. Well, how does this look? Does that look gangster? Does that look cool? And, and she would laugh at me. She was my, my audience. So I right. went out there. And um, no, I, I well, when I went out there, I mean, they had a press conference. They had magazines that we have here, Rolling Stone magazine, different ones. And they were asking me all these questions. I had all these mics lined up like I was, you know, getting drafted in the NFL or something. Yeah. And I'm a answering questions like, wow, like this. I can't believe I'm out here at 38 years old. You know, I'm completing what I never, never did. Cause I was, like I said, I was, I was, I will say it, you know, I was washed up. I was a has-been. MC Poncho was a thing of the past. You know, I didn't think at 38 years old that I would be doing that. Well, let me say this. I appreciate your, your honesty because few people would say that, you know, few people, I like to consider myself to be a very humble and modest person that when people actually pay me compliments, and I shared this with you. I don't know how to behave. I don't know what uh -huh. to say. I actually had to share that with one of my older brothers. And he just said, just say thank you, Tony. Just say thank you. So believe me, I know how you feel because there was a time that I took a break from uh, uh, music, like 10 or 12 years, you uh -huh. know, to help raise my, my, well, to raise my kids. Right. Okay. And uh, when I decided to kind of like, let me give it one more go around. Okay. Uh -huh. I, I heard it. You're a washer. You never fell in or you fell out. What are you going to do? And mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. I knew that I can still DJ. 
I knew that I could still produce, but I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do anymore. Uh -huh. But I knew it had to be somehow music orientated. Right. You know, so little by little, I started DJing again. That's when I got reacquainted uh, with uh, DJ Quick in 2006 when I when I met Seven. Oh, okay. That's how I met Seven. Uh -huh. 2006, Micah. Uh huh. Rest a, in peace. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, well. Contacted me through MySpace. You know, that's uh -huh. when MySpace was like the hottest <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, and he contacted me and he says, "Hey, man, I'm a big fan. I didn't know who in the hell this guy was." Uh -huh. And we were communicating through MySpace. You know, and then he tells me, "I want you to do a mixtape for my boy Seven. And mm -hmm. I said, "Who's your boy Seven? Mm -hmm. I had never heard of him. Right. I had seen Seven on his website, and I thought he looked like some, you know. Chubby gangster dude, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, this poop on Torrance, he ain't gonna like me. I'm from Wilmington, you know. But we met, we actually came here, and I actually did his mixtapes with all of his songs in this very same studio. Uh -huh. You know, I was in here by myself, and I, I, I did it, handed it to him. They loved it. Um, I introduced uh, Seven to my son. My son even liked him. I thought Seven is one of those guys that um, has a dope voice, but he fell under that as soon as other rappers found out that he wasn't black. He you know, fell under the Chicano rap. The Chicano <laughs> yeah, rap, yeah. you know, uh, uh, umbrella, if you Yes, will. exactly. And, and that's a sad thing because I had a lot of my black friends that would say, that fool is dope. Yeah. Who in the hell is that? Right. And then I would say, that's him. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, and, oh. And it just didn't go with what he was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so I, I, I understand. That's why my whole thing is, look, I'm not looking to get accepted by anybody else. And I'm not, I'm hoping that our talent just speaks for itself, uh -huh. whether you're black, whether you're Rasa or you're not. Mm -hmm. But I am trying to shed light light on people that have talent especially our own people right you know right. that's what i want to do uh, so now you're in japan you come back what is your next move after that well the whole japan was going back to being there in japan it was a healing process of of you know going you know what i was going through with my mother so Everything happened for a reason, Tony. I was, like I said, I was there for a reason. I didn't, at 38 years old, doing songs that I, I did when I was 18 on a, on a mixtape. Um, it was, it was too good to be true. And, um, so the last day they take us to the, to the temple, you know, and it's a Buddhist temple. And I, I don't right. know anything about that religion. And I guess I was there for a reason because, um, you know, you go through this process. Uh, number one, you light these incense, you put it in a sand pit. And the whole purpose of lighting them is to get the smoke from the incense on you to cleanse you. So this is summertime and it's, it's hot. There's no breeze. I mean, it was hot out there. I'll, out of nowhere, this breeze came and it, and I had a camera crew with me and, and photographers and everything. And they, they videoed, they, they well, they got photos and it was the smoke just coming towards me. You know, there's even pictures of it, you know, of, of just the smoke coming all at me. And even the Japanese that were there were looking at me weird, like, wow, that's kind of strange. And then the next thing was, um, to do this, um, a fortune. They, they have like this, this box and you shake it and a chopstick will pop out and it has Japanese letters on it. And then there's like a chest of drawers that you open and there's a paper and there's a scroll and that's your fortune. So you pull it out and you read it. And if it's good, you take it with you. If it's bad, you leave it like on a little clothesline with a little clothespin and it's supposed to, you know, get better. I had a bad fortune. It was really bad. So the translator had seen it and she knew, she wanted me to grab another one. And I told her, no, that's my fortune right there. Can you read it to me? And she didn't want to read it to me. So um, I told her, I said, well, I'll find somebody to read. It. And then I turned it over. I go, shit, it's in English. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had English in the back. So I read it. And what it said was, you have traveled so far to say goodbye to, I, I might be off on a few words uh, to, to someone and you're holding on and you have to let go. 
and then said, you've traveled too far and that's not what this individual wants. You're carrying a very heavy weight on your back and eventually you'll become hunchback and a hermit. So you need to learn to say goodbye. Wow. During that whole time in Japan, I like I said, I had camera people with me up to that moment. At that point, I mean, you couldn't even pick your nose without them getting a picture of it because they were, they were on right, me everywhere. Right. At that point, they just gave me my time to grieve. And I, I, that's why I broke down. I started crying. And I knew what that meant. Of course. You know, I knew exactly what that meant. And I, it just, it, it, it cleansed me. I just felt so, so much better. After the last show that we did, I remember Micah and Seven, we were, we were all went back to the rooms because these, these shows went on till like seven in the morning. You know, wow. Jap Japanese, they, in Japan, they, they party till, yeah, till the sun comes up, you know. Wow. And I remember going back to the room and I just, I was crying like a baby because wow. I just had to, you know, I was wow. there for a reason and that's what it was. Well, you know, one thing that I would say that we have a lot in common because my mother was my best friend, mm -hmm. okay? And and even though I was El Mas Diablo out of all the kids, I was like the worst. Mm -hmm. I caused her pretty much the most pain. So when she passed, everything that I did, like that hurt her, it almost felt like if it, um, it hit me hard. Uh -huh. You know, it was very, very hard for me to look at myself and to really think like, wow, that was me. I caused her all of that pain. Uh -huh. You know, uh, one thing that I always wanted to do, I always wanted to make my mother proud. Uh -huh. Okay. And if you ask me, honestly, Pancho, I don't think I ever did. And I'll be honest with my sisters and everybody tell me you, you did, you did. I don't think I ever did. And I have to live with that now because uh, my mother is uh, uh, no longer here. That's why I encourage even the youth today. Uh, um, what I believe is you honor your father and your mother. You right. really do. You, you really have to, because one day they may not be here. And all the things that you thought you got away with, it's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come back. And it's 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 um, interesting that a Japanese man uh, was somewhat instrumental uh, uh, in your life because I also had a Japanese man. Yeah, I see that. And, and, and I admire the way you pay homage to him. And you keep putting that out there. And I hear it because I listen to all your podcasts. And, and the way you put it out on how he gave you that chance and how he... So, yes, we do have a lot in common. Yeah. And, and back to your mother. Your mother is proud of you, Tony, because she's here watching what you're doing. You're setting an example like this, what you call the platform. It is a platform because no one else is doing this. You, you go to these other channels and you hear people glorifying a lifestyle and, and woofing this and woofing that. And people are intrigued by that. They want to hear the, the you know, you're doing something positive. You're giving people an opportunity to talk. And anybody that doesn't take you up on that offer, you know, they're missing out. They're missing out big time. You know, you. you're playing a very, very big role. And I know you're, you know, you're not into compliments and all that, but you are playing a very big role. And they never leave us, you know, spiritually. So you, you, you are making people proud, including your mother. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, believe me, I greatly appreciate your words. Mm -hmm. uh, I lost my father now, I want to say two years uh, ago. And that one was very hard because he lived down the street. Mm -hmm. And uh, many times when I get up and I want to go get breakfast, the first thing that pops into my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to call my dad to see if he wants to go. Uh -huh. But I remembered he's yeah, no longer there. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, and I don't have a problem confessing this. There's times that I walk by his apartment, uh -huh. you know, hoping maybe I'll see him hanging out outside waiting for me to pick him up. Yeah. You know, because I'd pick him up for Thanksgiving, for Christmas or whatever the case may be. But uh, I'll tell you, when you lose your parents, man, there's an emptiness that there, there's nothing that can fill it. man. No, you're the, you you know and I know, you know, because we both are going through it, still going through it. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. So 
Let's uh, let's press pause right there, like on a mixtape. Okay. Okay. We're gonna take a break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the shows that you've been on, whether they be movies or TV specials that you were on. And then we're going to uh, give our shout outs, promote whatever we want to promote. And then okay. I got a, I got two little tiny guests that I want to introduce at the very end. Okay, cool. So, Looking forward to that. Once again, Rodium Radio, episode 21 with MC Pancho, the Harbor areas in the house. Make sure you call someone, let them know that MC Pancho is in the building. And uh, we'll be back with uh, more Rodium Radio. So once again, stay tuned. The Documixery at Documixery.com. Take us away, Johnny boy. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Rodium Radio episode 21 with MC Pancho. Before we get back into our interview, once again... The Rodium Mixtape Documixery. Um, you can actually download uh, the mixtapes there. Um, you can uh, buy my apparel there. Uh, but today I'm actually wearing the shirt that MC Pancho blessed me with. That's Pocho so, Wear right there. Thank you for wearing that, Tony. Yes, Thank you. Pocho Wear. Uh, much love and respect to them. And uh, once again, uh, in 2020, we're going to be featuring more women. Uh, I've already book, booked quite a few women already because people have always been telling me, why don't you get more women? Why don't you get more women? You know, I'll be honest with you. If they would just pick up their phone, then maybe I can, <laughs> you know. The, the bad thing is, is that when you DM some one of them or you message one of them, they right away think, oh, you're trying to get at them. Well, many of these, the good thing is many of these females I know already. Uh -huh. So, you know, they don't think that. Right. But uh, as a matter of fact, Sunday, uh, uh, we'll be having an up-and-coming uh, female artist. Uh, she's got her own band. She's already performed at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, I think good things are going to be coming her way. She, her music's different. And the reason why I decided to uh, interview her, because I, I like different. Uh -huh. You know, I like different. So, so once again, uh, I want to ask you a controversial question uh, that I've been asking pretty much everybody. Um, before we get into the question that we talked about during break, my question to you is, what is Chicano rap? Thank you. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I want to defend this. Chicano rap, okay, first off, I've said it over and over. A Chicano is not a culture. A policeman, a doctor, a lawyer, a cholo, it, it could be a Chicano. As long as you're, you know, of, of Mexican descent, but a, a born in the U.S., you know, you're, you're Mexican-American. That's what a Chicano is. I, I caught myself in past interviews saying I'm representing the Chicano culture and I had to correct myself because I go, it's not a culture. It's actually something that honestly, we don't even have a name for. I identify as, as a Cholo. I, I, I call myself that and, and I say that proudly. Um, but like I said, the next person who might be, you know, police officer, he might not want to be categorized with me and be like, no, I'm a Chicano and he's a Chicano, but I'm nothing like him, you right. know, or vice versa. So the rap that, that I did, I, I, I labeled it at one time vaudeville rap because I rapped about what I seen in the neighborhood. Okay. I rapped about, it, it was, it was simple, plain. Uh, 1988 was when I was doing that. And, um, you know, it, whether I said ese, cholo, vato, and, you know, I did all that. It was cholo rap. Years, years later on, I'm, I always said the, the headquarter of Chicano rap was La Mirada Santa Fe Spring Swap Meet because I would see the signs, we carry Chicano rap. And I always supported it because I said, hey, that's what I did on the cassettes, you know. Yes. So I, I would support it. Now I, I looked at it like my era, me, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for anybody else because I did that back then. And those that, that don't know me because I didn't have social media back then or, or any of that. I could honestly say I poisoned that because I fucked it up for 
the talented ones like your your seven that we talked about, uh, Misfit Soto, uh, the most talented rappers in this game. I'm, I'm not up to par with any of these dudes that, that are doing it. You know, I could say I was way before their time, but not up to par. They get thrown in, oh, you're a Chicano rapper. And I understand why they don't want that title. You know what I mean? I address it. You know, my, my whole, um, you know, campaign was Chicano rap made me do it. I have it on shirts. I have it on my license plate. I have it on, on you know, quite a, quite a few different things on hats. And I embrace that, that, that term. But these guys don't want to. And I understand it's something that was just put on us. You know, because they say Mexican, then you're going to think it's banda, it's Mexicano, it's, it's, it's you know what I mean? Of course. So the Chicano sounds to whoever put this label on more gangster. And it just, it, it ran with it. Okay, now it's just a, a pelon, which I've always had hair, a ball-headed, tattooed Chicano rapper. And, and it messes the game up for all these most talented artists that are out there now doing it. Yes. And I and I understand why they don't want to be labeled as as that. And and I was telling my wife one time, I go, people like me, and I won't mention any other names, I'll just speak for myself. We kind of fucked that up for the upcoming talented artists because we're we were considered that and now they they're considered that and it's it's a chain that's really got to be broken you know because eminem isn't an anglo-saxon rapper or you know the blacks are an african-american negro rappers you know what i mean they're just rappers so why are you gonna you know um label us or even radio play you know we never even got the radio play right right only a few of us yeah actually got radio play you know and 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 i always mention this part that when like uh even when proper dose came out, okay, there was frost, uh, and I'm just talking about radio play. There was frost, there was um, um, lighter shade of brown, right. uh, if you will. Who was the other? Maybe uh, AOT had tequila. That's on tequila. Yeah, me and AOT were label mates. I know that too. Yeah. And then we uh, had proper dose that they were able to get some radio play. Mm-hmm. And then the sad thing is, even High C being a black guy got labeled. He was in that category. Yeah, yeah. He, he was yeah. in that category. Yeah. But. During that time, what I liked about that time that we were just considered artists, right? You know, now the sad thing is, is that it's uh, all you know. Like I said, if you had a son that just wanted to rap, mm-hmm. oh, he's Chicano rapper, <laughs> right? Automatically, right. right? So I guess you know my my next question is: Do you think that's a good thing to be labeled? For people like me, yes. Okay. <laughs> for people with talent, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say it, for people with talent that are out there that want to be really taken seriously, because me, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm here doing this interview, you know, with you and, and telling my story. Um, it only went so far for me, you know, through through that, you know, and, and I'm happy. I mean, it got me to Japan. It got me into television. It got me into to many. It opened the doors to many other other things, rapping about what I seen in the neighborhood. You right. know, that's what that Chicano rap falls on. Not not to a very talented person that's, you know, making their own music, making, producing and, and rapping and singing. So, no, I don't think it's good for them. I mean, it, it, it needs to be broken. That, that chain needs to be broken. I'll embrace it. Chicano rap made me do it all day. I'll, I'll say it, you know, but for other people that are up coming in the game, no, you know. Right. They're artists. They're artists, period. Right. That's the way I like to see them and like yeah. to identify them as artists. Yeah. Now, I know... Uh, um, we kind of didn't touch on this earlier, but I want to touch on it now since you brought up rapping in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Growing up, who was either the first rapper you heard, you saw, or that possibly inspired you to rap? 
Well, Ice T inspired me. Um, a lot of people would tell me, "Oh, you're, you're the Chicano Ice T." You know, okay. the same style that we had. Uh, um, I've even my my flow is a lot like his. It's real simple. You know, it's a real simple flow. Yeah. And I, I played Ice T's music before. Once I played it for for my wife, and she's like, "When did you do that?" Like, That's not me. That was Ice T. <laughs> you know. So the the similarities. Right. But the very very first that that turned me on. Maybe you could help me with this, Tony. Yes, and I'm going to go way back. It was the Buffalo rap. Now, if you remember Buffalo Gals, yes. there was a cassette that was circulating, I want to say 1982, yes. 83, and there was a guy by the name of Casper. Casper, that was the on mix it. master. The mix. Thank you, Tony. See, me, me and Tony clicked yes. because we're, we're viejos. <laughs> We've been around. Exactly. We've been around. And that the first time, I, I ended up with that cassette because it yes. circulated. And, yes. and I ended up with that cassette, and I was like, who in the hell is that? It was something he made, I guess, out of his, his room or whatever, like what, what I did with the tapes. But it was that shit was was on here you know let me tell you something about that guy i don't know who who that dude is but if anybody knows who casper the mix master was his tapes were circulating here in the harbor yes, area yes maybe farther we don't i don't uh -huh. know but i will say this i don't know if it was a black dude if it was a you know asian dude or, or what yeah but i remember hearing his voice uh -huh. on the cassettes he sang in the beginning yeah yeah and i remember he was the first guy that i don't know what because today they got names for different scratches you uh -huh. know back then you just cut you yeah. know uh i remember he was talking and then he was the first guy that i heard him do the clap you know and i was like what the <laughs> hell is that so yeah. of course you go home and you try to yeah. emulate that until i finally saw that in person uh -huh. you know but yes yeah, it was a buffalo girl uh, uh, buffalo the buffalo rap. rap off the hobo scratch yes he was using yeah he used the hobo scratch he just flow to it yeah so, so so that was the first rap. that was the first that i heard that said i want to do this like i want you know i've always had it in me to do wow. it you know wow. i didn't start rapping then you know yeah. i think i was 12 13 years old when i heard that but that was the first that really like oh man that you know because yeah. i remember he said this is casper the mixed Mix, master yeah. and i was like dude yeah. you you wow you just opened up the vault right there man <laughs> shit that shit was that shit is hard if you guys don't know who casper the mixed master then you guys probably not from the harbor area so now um you went on to actually, uh, if I'm correct, appear either in movies or television specials. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I, I um, thanks to my image and you know the tattoos, it, it got me into Hollywood. So um, people would look for me, and I, I never had an agent, and they would just find me and be like, "Hey, would you be interested in doing, um, you know, a pilot, or would you, uh, or a trailer, or what have you?" So um, you start from the bottom, you know, you work as an extra. I, I was a Mayan on Sons of Anarchy season four. I did Dexter, CSI. Dexter is where I got all my vouchers to go union. Um, NCIS Southland and then I made it to big screen uh, movie called Java's Cage of Glory with Danny Trejo and Stephen Bauer who played Manolo and Scarface so I took I took it serious I took acting classes and um, you know acting is always a thing that there's no age limit on so now I mean I'm a hosting what they call a host I, I host at different clubs and um, I'm still a longshoreman that's my Monday through Friday that's what 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 you know we, we eat off of and um, I have fun with it on the weekends as as a host in, in uh, various. How clubs. long have you been a longshoreman? Uh, well, since 1988. So, so I'm going on. Um, I shit. You know, it's, it's funny, Tony, because we were talking about um, New Year's. Right. And then um, I got my ID, which is my registration, in in December, uh, New Year's Eve of 1988. Wow. Yeah, I got my ID in December. Of, uh, yeah, New Year's Eve. Do you ever plan on retiring? 
I have the years, but I don't have the age. I'm 49, so I don't have the, the age what, right What now. do you got to hit, like a golden 80 or something? I, I, I don't even think I'll make it that far. I mean, if I could get out now, there's so many things that I would like to do. Well, I could still walk and, and, you know, maybe get back into the acting or, you know, or travel. Okay. Wow. Wow. Now, what about DJing? Do you ever still play, Do you still dabble? No, because my, I still have my turntables. And as you know, I brought this mixer and um, it's not hooked up. My, my wife's been on me for the longest to, to hook it back up so I could spin for her and do it in the in the right. living room. But um, I brought this mixer for a reason. And I don't know if you're ready for me to speak on that or. Go yeah. OK, well, this mixer that you see right here is a new Mark 1700. Um, this is what the Harbor Area sounds were, were made from. This mixer is bulletproof. By saying bulletproof, it saved my life. Uh, my mom took the bus, saved up the money to buy this for me, to give me a different alternative of, of being out there with the homies. Cause you know, I am a homie, you know, I am from right. the neighborhood. I am a homie, I put that out there. And it saved my life. And um, this is like, like gold to me. This My mother bought this for me in 1987, going into 88. And you being a very positive person in what you're doing, Tony, with this platform. And and I seen the the piece that you did with Night Owl and Misfit. You know, getting them to shake hands. You don't see that. It's something like what my dad did back in the days. And I'm I'm just so, you know, I support you to the fullest and everything you do. So I'm giving you this mixer. Oh now this mixer was for my mother. And and yeah, I'll take my shades off when I say this. This is yours. I'm leaving this here. This is yours, brother. Wow. All right. So, okay, I'm about to go hide under the table <laughs> real quick. Because so you know what this means, yes, you know, yes. to me, and uh, you know, just I'm passing the torch. I mean, but you're you're you have that torch lit high right now with what you're doing with this wow. with this podcast. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Here, and it works. It I, works. I believe it. Here's what I would do, okay, because. Me and my boy John right here, this guy is my right-hand man, okay? Uh -huh. I don't do anything without telling him, okay? Uh -huh. um, here's what I would do. When we have a, a, either a one-year anniversary of Rodian Radio or possibly uh, a, the 100th, you know, show, uh -huh. or, I, I we've been talking about possibly throwing a party, uh -huh. okay? And here's what I want to do. I got some brand, I got some, oh, I call them brand new because they're refurbished, okay? Mm. And um, I want to rent a hall, Throw a party, invite everybody, uh -huh. and I'm gonna use this mixer. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna tell you why. Because today's DJs don't know what the hell this is. No, I did. We do these shows in 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 Santa Ana, you know, called Film Sundays. I'm the host of them, and um, they wanted me to spin one time, and I had to bring this mixer. And they, the the younger DJs, DJ Omar God, Cancun Joy, DJ Fana, they looked at me and they're like, "What the hell is that?" And then I go, "If you want me to spin, you got to bring that. You know, you got to hook that up." So they, I brought this. They hooked it up. Then I was like, "Where's the quarter at? Where's the quarter? I got to put the quarter on, on right. the, you know, on the shell." And and they laughed at me. They go, "Just try it, Pancho. It ain't gonna jump. It ain't gonna jump." And then that's when I knew I was shaking. You know, wow. I was shaking. I was like. Holy shit, you know. Then after I got a little confident and I was, you know, I did my little thing. But, um, yeah, I had to bring this mixer. And then, of course, you know, they turned the turntables. I don't know if you did, but Never I had did. them standard. I, I had them standard. So I'm like, okay, well, I know it's asking too much, but can you guys? And they're going, no, no, that's too much. <laughs> see, see now, here, now here's the thing to all the other DJs out there. Okay, one of the best DJs in the world, and I'm pretty sure you'll you agree, was DJ Joe Coley. Oh, yes. In the yes. 80s. One of the fastest, one of the cleanest, one of the... The best, yeah. along with Tony G. Yeah, you had okay. Joe Cooley, a Kit Kat was another another right. one that was, uh, yeah. These guys used these mixers, uh -huh. tore up parties, uh -huh. had their turntable standard, entered battles of the DJs, and won. Right. Never once that they ever turned their turntable sideways claiming battle style back right, then. Right, right. You know, there wasn't was no... Decent. 
you know, yeah. there wasn't no battle style. If you, if you just were good, you were good. Right. You know, but today it's very, very hard for me to DJ on mixers with Christmas lights because everything yeah. is yeah. pretty much buttons. Yeah. But I want to bring this back. Well, yeah. You know, well, so that's yours now. So I'll tell you it's what. In your hands. And when we do this, uh, you come back and MC. You got a deal. <laughs> you heard it right there. All good. Yeah. We'll even plug in the mic in here. <laughs> all right. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll add a little echo okay. right. with the, uh, you know, the little re the realistic. Yeah. 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 All right. We'll do that. And everybody's invited who, okay. who, who purchased the documentary. Mm -hmm. Let's say yeah. you do that. Right. Right. Push so, that. Push that. Yeah. So now, uh, um, you know, it's funny because when I said that I was going to be interviewing you, a couple of people said, yeah, yeah, that's the guy from the Mayan. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I'm not on the Mayans uh -huh. this this Mayan season, right. but I was on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, so a lot there, of people know go. me from that. Yeah, that one. You're yeah, right. I was a Mayan on Sons of Anarchy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. But uh, uh, now, are you planning to do any more acting? Is anybody calling? Uh, have you? Do you want to still want to pursue that? Or yes, yes, definitely, because that's something I feel that I kind of. Um, like a has been on, like I did with the music, because I didn't follow through on that. But I would say there's not an there's not an age limit, and being my schedule, I mean my weekends, I've invited you and you've came out with me many times already. I've always got something going, so I don't really have the time to audition. But if something came up and if anybody's listening, yeah, I'm still I'm still with it. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the last camera jam, you're the one who introduced me to those uh, adios drinks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, those damn blue that's drinks. That's the strongest drink in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's dope. Though. Yeah, I'll leave you with the blue tongue. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> the blue tongue. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> First of all, let me say this: that I, well, wow, I don't even know how to thank you other than just say thank you, man. Thank you. You're and welcome. It, it, it really truly means a lot to me. You know, I had my boy, uh, Breakbeat Lou from New York, from the Bronx down here. He's the one that released those compilation records, the, um, uh, Ultimate Breaks and Beats. Breaks and Beats. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was in my documentary and I was going to give him like a copy of like Steve Yano's obituary. I said, look, I only have two left. I'll give you one uh -huh. because Steve is the one who bridged us together, if you will. You know, uh -huh. he was the only one in the West Coast that brought those records out here uh -huh. and he gave them to Dre and he gave them to me. Uh -huh. Okay. And then when he saw, he got real humble. He goes, no, Tony, please. I, I, I'm not even like worthy of it. You you just keep it, man. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about this. So that's mm -hmm. how, you know, I just want to say once again, thank you and thank you to, your, to your wife because yeah. I know how this feels. And, you know, to me, things like this are like the holy grail, man. You yeah, know no, saying? that's like I said, I wanted, that's why I wanted to tell my story first about it. And then it was when I had digged it out right before we came, I couldn't find it. I had it in storage and I go, it was right here. And then it, it got dark. I needed the flashlight. She's like, what are you doing? I go, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. She goes, are you taking your mixer? Are you going to mix? And I go, don't worry about it. So she didn't even know what I was going to, oh, wow. you know, yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, as far as your vinyl collection, do you still have it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have them on the suitcases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have wow. a big vinyl. That's yeah, dope. That's yeah. dope. Now, uh, um, what are your plans for the future other than, uh, I know you say you don't want to retire or you can't retire yet. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you ever plan on taking back the mic again? You know, it's, it's my life, like I said, was paved a certain way. You know, I remember one time my mom telling me um, when, when she kind of like slow down because she would always go out with us yes. we'd go to a lot of concerts the pacific concert groups that alan beck used to do back in the day the love jams and i'd always bring my mom with me so it was always me my my chamarita my mom and then she, there was a time when she didn't want to go no more and i had front row seats backstage passes I'm like mom we're, we're gonna miss out and she's like there's gonna come a time when you're gonna have so many things to do that you're not going to know what to do on that day. And I'm like, right. no, you don't understand. I got front row. You know, I didn't know that she's seen way beyond that, right. you know, and that's where I'm at now. So 
I just take it day by day, whatever, whatever comes my way. I mean, I don't plan anything and I've been real fortunate to, to travel like Japan seven times, um, wow. touch Hollywood, you seven know, to times. get into Hollywood and, um, just do the things that I've done and be here telling the story and then be here sitting with you. Cause you know, I bumped the rhodium tapes, you know, I bumped those like, you know, cause awesome. when I was doing my Harbor sounds, you know, Tony A was doing the rhodium and I was like, what the hell is that? I can't compete with that. Like, what is he using? I just, I just pictured this guy with like 10 turntables all lined up right there and he's doing them all. You know, I didn't know what a four track was and, or any of that. So, and my style was different. Of course I was, you know, just blending them in this guy took it to another level you, you know did. it's funny you say that because again i take no credit other than say thank you but steve's the one who taught me mm -hmm. like yeah dre's the one that told me about the four tracks so i'm gonna teach mm -hmm. you how to use it uh -huh. i clearly told him i don't have four turntables uh -huh. now in the in the documentary that we did um i actually had my son play me and we shot it looking old People actually thought it was me, you uh -huh. know, but we actually put... Oh, and it was your son playing you. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And we had four turntables going, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and I'm narrating it pretty much saying, uh -huh. for some reason, everybody thought I had yeah. four turntables. That's what we visioned. We've yes. seen that. So I had him, you know, mm -hmm. do this and do uh -huh. this. And I said, but, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody my secret one. People said, you're using four turntables? I would lie mm -hmm. and say, yeah, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. want nobody because we were ahead of the game at that time, right. you know. So now... um, there was one other question I wanted to ask you. Um, got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, much love to uh, Mr. D. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm correct, Southland Entertainment. Uh -huh. I know you did a CD with him right. and with Frank V. Right. C can you share a little bit on how that came to be? Well, like I said, my, my whole campaign was Chicano Rap made me do it. I had shirts. I had like I had that on, on my license plate, everything, you know. So D came at me at, at, in, in the right way. You know, he was like, hey, man, we want to do a song called Chicano Rap made me do it. Uh -huh. And we want you to be part of this project. So I said, thank you, D. Thanks for, for asking me. And he goes, so it'll be on Southland Records. And, you know, um, are, you, are you down with it? You know, I'm like, yeah. So, you know, I gave him the blessing. And that's how I got in with, with, with Southland. Okay. And uh, the only bad part was D wanted me on, on an intro. And he had me do the intro over the phone because I could never, you know, because he lives in Santa Clarita. He lives a distance. Wow. And it was hard for us to, to hook up. So I was like, he was, oh, just do it on the phone. Just do, I go, do it on the phone. So I did it on the phone. And D kept repeating that, you know how I, I did my little intro earlier, like, ah, oh, yeah. Well, I must have said, ah, oh, yeah, like about 13 times in a row. Wow. And I'm like, ah, oh, D, I mean, people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, damn, homeboy can't even do an intro, you know, because that's wow. what I did. And then he goes, oh, no, no, it sounds good. It sounds good. I'll just add some music to it. So that's how that project came about. And, wow. Yeah. Uh, when did that project come out? Oh, gosh, I want to say 2011, I think, or 12. Okay. Yeah. 2012. And, and did you ever do anything else? No, uh, um. no, no, that, that was pretty much, um, it, I was briefly with Southland for a minute, you know, shout yeah. out to them. And then, um, I was with Halified and, um, now I'm just, you know, taking it day by day. Are you going to be doing anything with seven pertaining to music? No, I'm, I'm pretty much done with it. Well, I say I'm done. I've retired. <laughs> I don't know how many times I changed my name out from MC Poncho to Cadillac P to my, my Aztec name, Watemo. They go, all you do is you retire, you, you change, you come back with a different name, uh, okay. you know, how, how did Cadillac P come about? 
2009, um, well, 2008 was my year, of course. Remember, I, okay. I, I told you the comeback, and I, I just had to do something different. And I went, and I've always rode Cadillacs, so I've seen that XLR. That's the Cadillac of Cadillacs. And I've seen it on this, in, the, in the display room, and I had told the it was actually a 9, uh -huh. and then they had the 8. So I told the guy, well, you, you don't understand. 2008's my year. Can you take everything off the 9 and put it on the 8 to, to upgrade the 8? I, right. I have to have the 2008. And the guy kept telling me, he goes, um, he goes it's going to be cheap cheaper if you just get the nine so right. i debated i didn't need a car at the time tony i swear i didn't <laughs> but i went and bought that shit i fucking i gotta have this give me the nine so when i rolled that xlr that's the cadillac of cadillacs you know what wow. i mean the two-seater you know the corvette engine i'm like nah man that's my name's cadillac pino <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna bury me with that car you know okay first of all i want to apologize for my grandbabies crying in the background because that's okay you know so yeah, please forgive me on that day. but uh once again uh you know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. Uh, if not, uh, you can give your shout outs, man. Go ahead and take your time because I'm going to get something ready. Is that fine? Yeah, sure. sure. Take your time. Okay. You speak right into that okay, camera right, right. there. Um, I just want to give a shout out to everybody that supported me. You know, big shout out to Chamarita, my wife, who's really supported me throughout the years. And um, uh, all the restaurants that feed us. Uh, shout out to Scam and Jam, uh, Original Mics, and some Harbor Area people that mean a lot to me. Raul Molina. Uh, uh, Gabriel Huerta and, and Stoney Galaz, much love, and Irene and the Senoras, much love, and thank you all for the support. You know, I love you. All right, it's just everybody that supports us. Okay, uh, Johnny Boy, put me back on this camera right here. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce to you guys my two bundles of joy. These are my grandbabies. This is Vince, uh, Anthony, he's the oldest, and this is Vincent. And they were actually born in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. They lived in New Jersey. Now they're living back in uh, Panama City, Florida. So once again, Anthony, Vincent, my grandbabies are Mexican, Italian, and Irish. So uh, I want them to say uh, hello to their grandma in uh, Boston. That's where she's at. So they're making their YouTube uh, Rodeo Radio debut here. So uh, let me tell you something. Having grandbabies is an amazing, amazing feeling. So I just wanted to bless you guys with... Uh, opportunity to meet them before they uh fly back tomorrow to uh florida that is beautiful and i'm glad to be part of this 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 is this is epic right here tony thank you thank you you know this is this is very different this little guy i'm trying <laughs> to get him into the screen right here but anyways okay you guys uh once again mc poncho was here i'd like to thank him very much for coming i'd like to give uh credits uh where credit is due i'm not going to say the way i usually say it but uh i'd like to thank my boy john elkins i'm not going to say because uh my grandbabies are here uh dj dj media clips uh i'd like to thank once again mc pancho his wife chamorita for coming i'd like to thank everybody for uh tuning in uh once again we have a female artist uh coming in on sunday uh you guys have been requesting female artists i hope you guys uh support and tune in uh, once again, we are on Anchor, Spotify, and uh, um, Apple Podcast. So uh, uh, you can check us out there. Once again, the Rodeo Mixtape Documentary. Uh, please support uh, you know the cause. Once again, Steve Yano, may you rest in peace. Other than that. Um, let me see, do I have anything else to say? Anything else you want to say, brother? No, just thank you again, Tony, for, for having me here. Thank you. Well, once again, thank you, and thank you for the mixer. This is actually my Christmas gift, brother. Yeah, Merry the, the gift brother. of all gifts. Right on, So, brother. And everybody one day will eventually be blessed by this. So when I hook it back up and we throw this party, 
You'll, all right. It'll be awesome. <laughs> all it'll right. Be awesome. So once again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Rodian Radio, episode 21. We'll be back Sunday. Anthony Vincent, say hello and bye. So take us away, Johnny Boyd. <laughs>